Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Even setting close. whatsoever. US, USA or Europe, who you got? It's, it's, it's a coin flip. Well, you have to say USA, Blake. You're American. I know, remember? I know, I All know. All right, have I a good know. show, okay? Rooting for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, of course. Go USA, go. Connell, thank you. We'll catch you here tomorrow. Uh, meantime, here on the Hill, tensions couldn't be much higher right now on Capitol Hill as lawmakers deal with two major issues. Zooming in, this from today's House Oversight Committee hearing, where Republicans kicked off their impeachment inquiry into whether or not President Biden benefited from his son Hunter Biden's business dealings. Republicans contend the president and his family are corrupt. Democrats argue there isn't enough evidence to suggest anything close to that. And now we zoom out. This is a live look at Capitol Hill. We're just two and a half days away from a potential government shutdown. While high-profile Republicans are pointing the finger at each other behind closed doors. We'll take you live to the halls of the Capitol coming up. Plus, it's in the pocket of more than 100 million Americans. And it was one of the big points of debate among Republicans up on the stage last night. So where did they side on TikTok? The Hill on News Nation starts right now. Hello, and thanks for being with us here on The Hill on News Nation. Once again, I'm Blake Berman, joined today by a great panel. Scott Bolden is the former D.C. Democratic Party chairman and a legal analyst. Kara Frederick is the director of the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation. Michael Starr Hopkins is a Democratic strategist. And Mick Mulvaney, of course, the former Trump White House chief of staff and News Nation political and economic contributor. Hello to you all. There is a lot going on. <laughs> Impeachment, possible government shutdown here in like 48 hours or whatever it is. on par fours. Holes in one on par four. Go USA, <laughs> go, by the way, if that wasn't uh, easy enough. But um, <laughs> we also had the debate last night. But I want to start with, with a couple headlines I saw that sort of caught my attention before we get into all that. Here's two of them. 60% of U.S. consumers across all income levels are living paycheck to paycheck. That's one headline. And here's the next. Costco says its one-ounce gold bars are selling out fast. Mick, what do you make of those two? Uh, That Menendez has moved from buying the kilos to (laughs) down to the smaller ones. Look, no, it's times are tough. They just are. And this is the reason that that Donald Trump won in 2016. He is viable again as a a presidential candidate. It's it's, it's rough out there. Wages are not keeping up with inflation. That is real. The gold thing, that, 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 that speaks to confidence. Um, if you're worried about the value of the dollar in your pocket, you go out to, to buy gold. And if that's happening a lot, that tells you just as much about the economy as the household number. Yeah, CEO of Costco says they've been selling out of these one-ounce gold bars. Gets, they get put online. They get snapped up every few hours. Does it speak to confidence? Like, what do you make of this? Because the economy, we keep hearing, is issue number one time and time again. Well, I mean, I think that's just Menendez's preferred payment. <laughs> <laughs> so the Bob Menendez jokes are here. All right, <laughs> we've seen the headlines. Look, you know, he may be innocent. He may be. He may be. By the way. I mean, I don't keep gold bars in jackets with my name on them. Not illegal, though. Uh, Sure. Yeah. 
Good defense counsel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I think we see reports that the average American can't afford a $500 hit on their bank account uh, without putting them in severe yeah. financial stress. That's problematic. And I think Nick's right. That's why you're seeing uh, a lack of faith kind of in both sides of the aisle. And I think Democrats need to really work on their messaging when talking about how uh, the economy is doing, how many jobs we put back in the market. And until we can come up with that messaging, I think it's going to be problematic. I was struck to hear Mick say this. This is why Trump won in 2016. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not just about messaging, though. And and I think, Mick, you're exactly right, because you look at the typical American family and they are seven thousand dollars poorer, this American households than when Joe Biden took office. So there's a massive disconnect between messaging Bidenomics and what the real average American is thinking. And the biggest problem, I think, is the American dream is now unattainable. I mean, for millions of people, at least the cost of finance at home has doubled so it's not about messaging. It's about the pain that real Americans are feeling every attainable? single day. I don't think it's unattainable, but the Democrats have to do something about it. Uh, you know, $8 trillion was added to the um, to the deficit by Trump. That was the groundwork. Uh, even Republicans say well, a lot of that was COVID. This. It was COVID. I mean, but so he you can't just, but, and the tax cut. Biden, you can't just gloss, but, okay, gloss over but, that. There were the tax cuts, Biden too, yes. inherited a pandemic economy, right? He's brought it back 13.5 million jobs, but it's going to take time. Now, the Democrats are going to get the blame for this, and they've got to fix those kitchen table issues. Listen, you're right about one thing. Messaging isn't enough. I'm starting to come around to thinking there's this disconnect, but it's a substantive disconnect oh, yeah. as a Democrat. The other thing is this. The statistics, 60% of U.S. consumers across all income uh, what are living paycheck to paycheck. Americans have always lived paycheck to paycheck. There are probably more people living paycheck to paycheck because historically we do we don't do well at savings. 60, the average American sixty percent this year, sixty percent last year as well. So that number is staying consistent. Mm-hmm. Meantime, today the House held the first hearing of its impeachment inquiry into President Biden, an effort Republican leaders are trying to build support around. For example, here's the committee chair on the Oversight Committee, James Comer. The House Oversight and Accountability Committee has uncovered a mountain of evidence revealing how Joe Biden abused his public office for his family's financial gain. For years, President Biden has lied to the American people about his knowledge of and participation in his family's corrupt business schemes. All right. So there's a lot of language there. Of course, we should know President Biden has not been accused of any criminal wrongdoing, and he denies those allegations. Here's a poll, Kara. Should Congress hold impeachment hearings to, to hearings to start the impeachment process? Fifty-six percent of the country says no. So, how do Republicans uh, convince the public that? This is serious and not some sort of political hit job. Oh, because the evidence speaks for itself. I mean, you look at the revelations from the Oversight Committee two days ago, where we found that $260,000 had been wired directly to Joe Biden, not Hunter Biden's address, Joe Biden's address at his Delaware home. So to me, that merits investigation. As I've said on this program before, the American people deserve answers when a, a a wire from China, that amount of money goes directly to Joe Biden's address. Yes, it was uh, in the name of Hunter Biden. That is problematic. There you go. You're talking about Hunter Biden. The the money didn't go to the house. Hunter Biden used his dad's address as his address. It went to a bank. Uh, 
um, so it didn't actually go to Joe Biden's residence. The, the address that he put down on the on the form. Let me see. This is the oh, problem. That's, that's this is the problem. Gun. Gun. Let's let's a smoking Those two gun. Are different. This impeachment hearing is a solution looking for a problem. Hunter Biden may be a despicable human being, but his name isn't Joe Biden. It's not illegal to start an impeachment inquiry. Tell me the high crimes and misdemeanors, because that's the trigger for this inquiry. Scott, and tell and, me, tell and me, circumstantial that. evidence is never going to get it's, anybody it, convicted. It's, it's a good question, but it, 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 you have to ask it both ways. What were the high crimes and misdemeanors that the Democrats had when they? started the impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump. Not the impeachment. Keep in mind, this they is not an impeachment. conversation. No, no, they, they did not. recorded conversation. No, they did not. The, they did not. The Ukrainian get, leader. They did not get that until they opened the impeachment inquiry. All they had was the whistleblower report. That was it. Which well, they had the witnesses who said this occurred on the phone. I understand that. Oh, that's, that's more than enough to but, get started. And, and we this also is hear, enough. This is pure conjecture. No, we Here's have, the deal. Yeah, listen. It's not illegal to have $200,000 wired to anyone. I mean, um, the other what is the other allegation? We want to see bank accounts because how does he buy a million-dollar home being in public service most of his life? They've it's got 5,000 emails with, Find with, probable students, calls with pseudonymous first. names. They've got a bunch of smoking guns. Listen, smoking it's not evidence. Guns. And I, I am not, I, excuse me, you got smoke but not fire. How about that? Exactly. Okay. And it's going to keep smoking until you find the fire. And five years, a federal prosecutor, GOP-appointed president, uh, Trump appointed has looked at this and come up with basically nothing. Hunter Biden may be a bad guy. He's a drug addict, quite frankly, a recovery. But Joe Biden is not Hunter Biden. And don't confuse the few. Oh, you Every day we're talking about this. It wouldn't Joe Biden. It wouldn't have worked without that access to then Vice President Joe Biden. We have That's still we have Hunter Biden. Tapes. Joe Biden right. on tape sitting Here's there the at the Council on Foreign Relations I heard today, saying Comer that he got said, a prosecutor fired. Comer, Comer said this. Comer said uh, that Biden, Joe Biden had allowed his family to use his name for political and financial gain. In the U.S. Code, (laughs) tell me where that is, that Joe Biden's got an obligation to control his family and not exploit his name. He's been in public service for Yeah, I thought you were going to say all over again. Oh, I wasn't done. That's the real criminal crime Hold it there because I want to go up to the Capitol, Capitol Hill, for the Republican perspective on all this. Congresswoman Lisa McClain, a Republican from the state of Michigan, is on the House Oversight Committee. She was in the room today for the impeachment inquiry hearing. Congresswoman, thank you for joining us here on the Hill on News Nation. Appreciate the time. You, of course, were uh, in the hearing earlier today up on the Hill just a little while ago. I want to want to start uh, with Jonathan Turley, one of the one of the key witnesses in the hearing today and get your reaction on the other side. I do not believe that the current evidence would support articles of impeachment. They're merely allegations. And they should not become presumptions of impeachable conduct. He essentially, Congresswoman, said at this point in time that there is some smoke, but not necessarily fire. Is that how you view it? Listen, I understand why he said that at the beginning is and that's exactly why we're doing this investigation, right, is to follow the evidence and to get the facts, which we're actually beginning to lay out today. So no different than any trial. You start with um, a presumption. And then you build upon that with facts, with forensic evidence to get to an end result. And that's exactly what is happening today with bank records, with shell companies, with um, text messages and WhatsApps. That's exactly what the committee today, at least on the Republican side, is laying out. And I think the evidence actually is pretty damning. 
Are, you say it's pretty damning. Um, do you have your, your mind made up at this point? Um, or are you open to the possibility that maybe the president didn't commit a high crime or misdemeanor? Well, I, I'm, I'm open to following the evidence. So you, you can't go in with a preconceived notion, right? I do believe in the rule of law. I do believe in, the, in, in that, um, you know, due process. That's exactly what we're doing. But we can't ignore the evidence. We can't just brush it away and pound our fist on the table like the Democrats do and say, well, look over here, look at Donald Trump or look at this. No, let's look at the evidence. This is a culture of corruption. I know from what I testified in today that while Joe Biden was vice president, he was in Romania dealing with corruption. I also know that while Joe Biden was vice president, his son, Hunter Biden, was employed by a corrupt Russian oligarch. Interesting, right? I also know that at that time, he made 16 payments while Joe Biden was vice president and did some influence peddling, right? I also know that the minute Joe Biden stopped being vice president, coincidentally, those payments stopped. Now, what we have to connect the dots to, which is what we're doing the investigation, is what happened with those payments. We know those payments, yep. one, went to Joe Biden's residence, and two, to nine of his different family members through 20 fake companies. You talk, you talk about connecting the dots. The White House is essentially connecting the dots to the potential government shutdown. And here's part of their response today mm -hmm. as all of this was unfolding. Yeah. They say, quote, the consequences for the American people will be very damaging from lost jobs to troops working without pay. They go on to say nothing can distract from that. What would you say mm -hmm. to the White House in their response today? Well, I, I would say it's a shame that the White, can't, White House can't do both. It's an and, right? I, I think we, as professionals, um, we can do both. But if you're really concerned about the shutdown, then come to the table and let's secure the border. Let's get our fiscal house in order, which is exactly what the Republicans are trying to do. But again, if I'm the White House... I don't want to talk about all the uh, all the corruption that's going on within my family. I want to detour and detract from what's going on with my son and President Biden's um, culture of corruption. Exactly. I would want to say, look over here, look over here. Don't look at the facts that we have. Don't look at the SARS reports. Don't look at the 1023s. Don't look at the suspicious activities. Don't look at the text messages from my own son. Both, both look sides over essentially saying. Because I don't want you to uncover. Yeah. All right, Congresswoman, uh, we got to leave it there. We were in your home state yesterday, as you know, in the state of Michigan. Appreciate yeah. you joining us here on the Hill. Thank you. Thank you. Nick, Republican up on the Hill uh, in that committee today. You heard her just there. You make of it. Um, that they're doing it the exact right way. Scott's criticism is fair, okay? And they're going to have to be able to overcome that type of criticism. And you do that by t patiently going through the information. Maybe there's evidence there that's, that justifies an impeachment. Maybe there's not. But they have to go about this methodically. I know they're going to be accused of just doing this as sort of a precursor. This is just a show because they all know they want to impeach them. We said the same thing about the Democrats during their impeachment inquiry. But what I come back to again and again is that when the Democrats started the impeachment inquiry, they had little, if any, evidence. Okay? What they found and what they ultimately used to impeach Donald Trump, they found during the impeachment inquiry. 
Korea. And that was the transcript of the phone conversation. You don't know what they're going to find here. They might not find anything. They might find something. This is the right way to do it if they do it methodically. All right. Well, joining us now is the Democratic Congresswoman Melanie Stansberry from New Mexico. She also sits on the Oversight Committee. Congresswoman, thanks for joining us here on the Hill on News Nation. So you heard some of the argument there. I'm sure you heard from your colleague. I guess the the first question out the gate as this impeachment inquiry is underway is um, why don't the American people deserve a full accounting of what may or may not have happened with President Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. Well, thanks for having me on. The American people do deserve to have a full accounting of everything that's happened that may cause some justice question to arise, which is why a special counsel has been appointed by the Department of Justice to investigate any matters that Hunter Biden may have been involved in. And just like any American citizen, he will be investigated. He'll be uh, put in front of a jury of his peers. And ultimately, if he has committed wrongdoing, he will be held accountable, just like any American who breaks the law. So the justice system is already addressing this. But this impeachment really is not about Hunter Biden. Let's be clear about that. It really is about Donald Trump. We saw direct evidence today. We presented evidence today that Donald Trump himself has been asking the committee to hold this impeachment hearing. We know that it's intended to distract from his own impeachments, both of them, once for fomenting an insurrection and the other for his bribery efforts with the Ukrainian government and to distract from his 91 counts of criminal activity. So this is not a real impeachment. It's not serious. The Republicans don't even have the votes to move to an impeachment on the floor. And it's just really a farce. It's not a real and serious inquiry. I wonder, though, if you're if you're concerned with at least the public perception at this point. Here's a poll Are you, to the American public. Are you concerned that the president committed wrongdoing related to his son? 59% of the country, Congresswoman, says they are indeed concerned. As I said, Hunter Biden will face the justice system. And of course, the justice system will address the issues that Hunter Biden may or may not have done. And there is an investigation happening. But that does not rise to the level of the highest constitutional crisis that our government faces, which is whether or not a president, a sitting president, committed crimes while in office or before in office. This is not what what is actually on trial here. And there's not even a real trial. This is a sham investigation. The House Republicans brought to the floor at the bequest of Donald Trump. And because Matt Gates refused to vote on a CR and would shut the government down. Okay, so, so you, you just bring up the potential it. government shutdown. And I got to run, but I want to ask you a quick question before I do, Congresswoman. Sorry for jumping in. The president, head of your party, hasn't engaged, hasn't talked to the top Republican here in Washington. Should he? I don't know what conversations President Biden has or has not had with leadership in the House or in the Senate. But what I can tell you is the Democrats are showing up every day, working night and day to try to keep the government functional and open and operational and funded. But the GOP is infighting so fiercely that they can't even pass a budget. We were just told that an ag bill is going to be called to the floor tonight that'll probably fail. We haven't had a procedural vote fail on the floor in 20 years, and this will be the third failure that we've seen of a vote on the floor. It shows their absolute inability to govern. Congresswoman Melanie Stansberry from the state of New Mexico, thanks for joining us. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Yep. Scott, um, that poll's got to concern you. Um, It's concerning, but it's not criminal. 
And based on the messaging of the GOP, yeah, I'd be concerned. I keep hearing about it. I hear about Joe Biden being connected to Hunter Biden. And so, sure, I'd be concerned. But remember, your your prior interview with the Republican congresswoman, McLean, was it, Mm -hmm. I think? Listen to what she said. She said, you start with a presumption. Those are her words, right? Impeachment inquiries do not start with presumptions. Mick, when we talk about in, impeaching Trump, they had witnesses, they had videos of the January 6th, they had his own statements, and with Ukraine, they certainly had witnesses. That's more than enough to trigger an inquiry because you, uh, you're, you, there's probable cause, essentially, to do that. Here, this is not only politically driven, but it's so hypocritical. Where is their outrage about Donald Trump and his 91 felony charges that he's facing? So you did finally get there the Trump. We, we were all expecting you to I get listen. the Trump at some point. But, but, but the, the, the hypocrisy is they are not concerned about that. And what the greatest threat Look, to this. democracy is really this. Those who are not standing up against Donald Trump, those who are allowing MAGA and to run the GOP and Look, we, Trump to do these things, that's the greatest danger to our democracy. We, we, I, I got to run, but I think what you just heard from the congresswoman and some of the conversation here is just this vicious cycle in Washington right now as we've gone from Trump to Biden and then bringing it back to Trump like we saw up on the Hill today. Meantime, coming up, federal workers are put on notice. Get ready for a government shutdown. That's what they've been told. But with just over 50 hours left, did you hear what happened when Republicans met behind closed doors earlier today? Who's pointing the fingers at who? And where do things stand at this very moment? We are live from the Capitol when The Hill on News Nation returns. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. America. All right, welcome back to The Hill on News Nation. Mick Mulvaney just told us something fascinating, by the way. We're going to get to it in a couple (laughs) seconds. Uh, But until then, there are two days left. That's how long Congress has before the government potentially shuts down. Lots of drama up on Capitol Hill about how to keep things running uh, until then and get a deal. Joining us now is Michael Schnell, congressional reporter for The Hill with the very latest. Uh, Michael, good good to have you back here on The Hill. So you've been up there in the halls of the Capitol all day. What are you hearing? What's the latest? Yeah, Blake, look, right now the odds of a shutdown are much higher of happening than not. I spoke to one Republican congressman yesterday who said, unless there's a miracle that happens today or tomorrow, the government is very likely to shut down when that deadline hits at the end of the day on Saturday. And look, the state of play right now was the Senate earlier today advanced a stopgap bill to try and avert a shutdown by that Saturday deadline. The problem is, though, is that yesterday Speaker Kevin McCarthy told members of his conference that he will not bring that bill to the floor for a vote, despite it being bipartisan in the Senate. That is what lawmakers emerging from a closed-door meeting had said. Uh, So that brings us now to the point where there is not a clear path forward in terms of how to keep the government funded on Saturday night. And just adding adding to the pressure on Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Republican leaders is that today the House Freedom Caucus members of that conservative group came out with a letter saying that they uh, that no member should be expected to support a stopgap bill unless Speaker McCarthy and leadership gives their plan to fund the government at uh, to pass the government's full year right. spending bill. So there's a lot of uncertainty right now, a lot of demands being made. But that shutdown deadline is approaching. 
Yep. Um, you mentioned Kevin McCarthy and the pressure that's on him. What can you tell us about what happened behind closed doors uh, with the House Speaker and and Matt Gates, Congressman from Florida? Yeah, look, there was a closed door meeting of House Republicans earlier this morning, and there was some reporting that there was that testy exchange between Gates and McCarthy, who are known to be enemies they've sparred in the past. I reached out to a Republican lawmaker and I said, was this exchange in the closed door meeting testy? That lawmaker responded with one word saying very. It was very testy inside. Essentially, what happened was Matt Gates had accused Kevin McCarthy of being behind a paid campaign against the Florida Republicans. Republican. Uh, Kevin McCarthy went back and said he denied being involved. And he said, according to a a House Republican, essentially said, I'm not worried about you, Matt. Uh, After the meeting, uh, Mr. Gates told my colleague at the Hill that he didn't essentially suggested that he didn't believe McCarthy's denial, saying that you wouldn't believe it the way he said it and your readers wouldn't believe it either. And look, this is not the first time, as I mentioned, that we've seen McCarthy and Gates sparring, but it comes as Gates is heightening his threats to potentially bring force of vote on ousting McCarthy as speaker. And again, this all comes on the backdrop of that government funding deadline fast approaching. So a lot of tension right now in the Capitol, uh, uh, sparks flying between the two Republicans. And again, all eyes on that Saturday night deadline. All right. Michael Schnell from the Hill in the halls of the Capitol. Michael, thank you. Appreciate it. So during the commercial break, we're all sitting here and Mulvaney asked us two questions. The first question was, Uh, who shuts the government down? And I, and I said, the, OMB, Office of Management and Budget. And your yeah. second question was... I've already forgotten. Was who actually <laughs> signs the paperwork. Who signs the paperwork, yeah. And I said the head of OMB, which means you have literally yeah. signed your- the paperwork to shut the federal government down yeah. in the past. Twice. Twice, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so, so you know a thing or two about this. What, what's sort of happening here Here's as, happening. as like 48 and, hours or so? And this is no joke. This is deadly serious. It, that the, the Office of Management Budget has a tremendous amount of discretion over how a shutdown gets run. Okay? When we ran the shutdown in the Trump administration, we wanted to make it as painless as possible because we wanted to focus attention on the border wall, which is why we shut the government down to try and have a fight over that amount of money. In 2013, the, the Barack Obama administration tried to make it as painful as possible because they wanted to turn up political pressure on Republicans in the House, of whom I was one, which is why during the Trump shutdown, there Monuments in Washington, D.C. were open, and during the Obama shutdown, there were signs, uh, there were fences around them with signs saying closed because of the government shutdown. Right. I can guarantee you that the Biden administration has spent the last two weeks, which is how long they prepare for a shutdown, trying to figure out a way to make the shutdown as difficult and as painful mm-hmm. as possible because that helps them politically. All right. Speaking of the president, this is what he just uh, sent out on social media. He said, this May, Speaker McCarthy and I reached a deal that would fund essential priorities and cut the deficit over a trillion dollars. Now there's a group of extreme House Republicans who would rather shut down the government than live up to that deal. Is that does that message cut through, Michael? It does. And I think this is a fight that is a good fight for Democrats. Why? If you're a Republican in a swing state, which Republicans only hold the House by four votes, then you are really not loving this conversation right now mm-hmm. because you're going to have to take a really difficult vote. Either you're going to shut down the government or you're going to vote against your party. And let me say, you know, Go ahead. You said no. You say it's a good fight for Democrats. Yeah, which is an interesting comment as we sit here in Washington. But I got to imagine somewhere out outside of this studio, outside of Washington, someone might have heard that and said, "What do you mean this is a good fight for Democrats? You guys in D.C. are nuts." Yeah, we are. Keep, like, keep the government open. Keep we, it running. But Democrats are, want to. Yeah, I was going to say Democrats want to keep it open. That's absolutely what. That's right. But we're McCarthy has no control over his. 
uh, flock. <laughs> Matt Gates clearly doesn't respect him. Uh, I will say this is the toughest I've seen McCarthy in years. Like, absolutely showing up and you know telling Gates where he can stick it. Like, <laughs> where was this McCarthy during that thirteenth vote uh, for him to be, you know, speaker? Well, the pressure's certainly on him. Uh, and T-minus 55 hours to go at this point in time. Still a lot of wiggle room and a lot of negotiating to go. All right, coming up, the last Republican president has now twice shunned the Republican National Committee. And now the Trump campaign has a brand new suggestion for the RNC when it comes to debates. What that is and what they're saying now. The Hill on News Nation back in a few. Welcome back to The Hill. The former president, uh, Donald Trump's absence at last night's GOP debate is fueling calls from the Trump camp for a new Republican strategy, an end to all GOP debates. The Trump campaign saying in a statement last night that the, quote, GOP debate was as boring and inconsequential as the first debate, adding, quote, that the RNC should immediately put an end to any further primary debates. So can we train our fire on crooked Joe Biden and quit wasting time and money? Former President Trump's team has also confirmed to News Nation that he will not be attending the third GOP debate in Miami in November. No shock there. Joining us now, we have Johanna Mosca, former Obama administration official and News Nation contributor, and Hogan Gidley, former Trump White House deputy press secretary. Hello to you both. Thank you for coming on in. Hogan, I'll start with you. Uh, is, is this the right move from the Trump campaign to say party's over, put an end to it? Or is it unfair to the rest of the Republicans? You know, a, a single vote hasn't been cast yet. Well, I don't think it's going to really amount to much. I think the RNC and the others in, in league with them are going to continue forward with these debates. But at the same time, it is largely been inconsequential at this point. I mean, look, Donald Trump has a 40, 50, 60 point lead in some polls. He's lapping the field multiple times. You saw last night kind of a group of folks up there, many of whom have had several accomplishments, good ones at the state level, at the federal level. But they just can't seem to break through. They can't resonate with the American people. And you're seeing that because this is such a unique cycle. We actually have a former president who's running on his record as president. Everyone else is saying, hey, I promise if you elect me, I'll do all the things Donald Trump did the first time and put those America first policies in place. The problem is in this tumultuous time, there aren't a lot of GOP voters who are willing to buy that or risk it. Johanna? Well, so the the trouble, Hogan, for the Republican Party is continuing to sow doubt in this primary process. You still have about half of your electorate who does not want Donald Trump to be the nominee. There there are those people. So the, the thing that they're doing right now, we won't know until October, is that they're arranging it such that it's going to be harder for those candidates to get any delegates. I think the debates very much matter. They matter because there is a Republican electorate looking for an alternative, and there are alternatives emerging, including Nikki Haley. But what's happening is it's going to take time. And the more the Republicans just say, no, your vote doesn't matter. No, you don't count to the Republican Party. You're dissuading those people from showing up and you're actually giving them more energy to go towards Joe Biden. And the last thing I just have to say, Blake, is I said on the program yesterday that I think that Vivek, we were going to keep seeing people go after Vivek. And I was not wrong. Yeah, it, happened again last night. <laughs> it was funny to watch. Yeah. 
But that I didn't you, say they didn't matter. To... I didn't don't, say the debates okay. didn't matter. I just well, said in, at this point, understand, if, if you're, they, they have been largely to this point, I'm saying if you're high in the polls, you don't want any debates. If you're low in the polls, you want a lot of debates, i.e. RFK Jr., who would love to get on the debate stage with uh, you know, Joe Biden, of course. And speaking of people who aren't happy with the, the front runner, the Democrats have a whole mess on their side, too. So when you look at the front runner, uh, the sitting president of the United States and Joe Biden, a lot of folks on the left are quite concerned about his age. They're definitely concerned about his cognitive decline, not to mention his policies that have hurt the American people. So they want to take a look at some other candidates, kick the tires as well. But that obviously is going to happen because he's a sitting president. You, you too, well, uh, Johanna you know, uh, Hogan, stay, stay there for a second. I, I want to get to Mick for a second because you spoke to, to Ronna McDaniel. I about did, if it has Hogan a question about it. Hogan, it's yeah. Mick. Um, I, I bumped into Ronna last week. We talked about just this. And one of the things she pointed out was that, well, Trump's at about 50 percent, which is a huge number, but it also means that, you know, half the parties is not with him yet. Um, we talked about the viability of future debates, which she said is they're going to continue to simply raise the bar. That, you know, you had to have 3% this week. You might have to have 5% next week. Look, if you get to 15% at the next debate, there's only one person who qualifies, and that's Donald Trump. Isn't that a smarter way for the RNC to handle it, to sort of slowly increase the requirements as opposed to say, we agree with Trump, we'll get rid of these debates? Oh, yeah. I'm not saying they're doing the wrong thing. I'm just trying to point out the fact that Donald Trump says, hey, let's clear the field and focus on Joe Biden. I'm way ahead. It's a strategy. It's a tactic on his part, and I get it. At the same time, I understand the position Ron is in, too, where she wants everyone to do these fulsome debates. Get the ideas out there. Let's talk about this so that when you do settle on a nominee, all of the people are okay with what the process was to get to that point. Sure, half the people are looking at other candidates, but that doesn't mean if everyone drops out, they're going to glom on to whoever's at number two and not look at Donald Trump again. So I understand both sides of this. The process just has to, has to play itself out. Uh, before we get to President Biden, real quick, there was some chatter today about Glenn Youngkin. Like, it feels like the establishment is just, like, freaking out. Uh, establishment Republicans. Is, well, is that what's I happening mean, Glenn, here? he's distinguished himself. He's done a great job, especially when it comes to parents and families. That is the biggest thing. That is Governor what I maintain. Governor of Virginia right. won in Virginia. When um, his opponent made a miss at McAuliffe, and he basically said, your kids are, are not your kids. And Governor Youngkin, or not even the governor then, candidate Youngkin, stepped in and said, Absolutely not. We want to give control to parents over the kids' educations, et cetera. I think he's a he's an interesting candidate. All right. Well, in the meantime, President Biden gave a speech in Arizona today where he attacked what he called a MAGA Republican, MAGA Republican extremist. Watch. And there's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. The MAGA movement. Not every Republican, not even a majority of Republicans adhere to the MAGAS extremist ideology. I know because I've been able to work with Republicans my whole career. But there's no question that today's Republican Party is driven and intimidated by MAGA Republican extremists. Johanna, right tone there? Or is, is that a little, uh, little overboard? It's the same argument that Vivek made last night that was it kind of fell flat, right? He was saying, oh, you know, we're not against each other. We're against the liberals who have been taken over by their far left counterparts, which I didn't understand because we're not the ones shutting down the government over just everything uh, right now. And so, you know, I think it falls flat on both sides. I wish neither of us would talk about just the extremists and talk more about what we have 
in common and those values that we do bind together. And I think it's a smarter strategy for both of the Democrats and the Republicans. Hogan, I can't imagine you take too kindly to, to that phrase. Now, look, this is what they're going to do between now and election time is talk about MAGA extremists, threat to democracy, because obviously Joe Biden can't run his record. It's abysmal. No one likes what he's done with this country. Crimes up. Wars are breaking out all over the world. Our economy's in the tank. The southern border's wide open. We've got a lot of problems here. So both on the domestic side and the foreign policy side, this administration has been an abject failure. And the American people understand when you're paying more for gas and for groceries, uh, your rent's up, your mortgages are up, your car payments are up. The Democrats are saying, no, no, you're just too stupid to understand. It's really good for you. We're just messaging it wrong. So I think the American people are rejecting not just his policies, but Joe Biden, quite frankly, as a person at this point. We were sold this bill of goods and it was steady hand Joe, old Uncle Joe. He was going to calm everything down. He has the ability to bring sides together. He doesn't. He can't. He never has. He's been a failure. And I think that's going to be exposed more and more and more. And they can shout MAGA all they want to. The problem is a majority of the American people don't like Joe Biden or his policies. Hogan, Johanna, got to leave it there. Good to talk to you both. Thanks for coming on in. We'll see you in studio soon. Good to see you. (laughs) Bye-bye. See you. All right, coming up. It is in the pockets of more than 100 million Americans. TikTok. What to do with it drew a tense exchange on the debate stage last night. But what happened afterwards <laughs> might have had you doing a little bit of a double take as well. We'll discuss coming up. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. For what you say. Because I can't believe they hear that we've got a TikTok situation. What they're doing is these 150 million people are on TikTok. That means they can get your contacts, they can get your financial information, they can get your emails, they can get text messages, they can get all of this. This is important. This is very important for our exactly what they're doing. All right, so that was a moment in last night's debate that that made some folks laugh. Nikki Haley going after Vivek Ramaswamy. But really the question of what to do with TikTok, we've been talking about this for years, Kara. And we saw it come front and center on the debate stage. It's easy to say, ban it, but no one's done that. Oh, yeah, there have been many attempts. In fact, uh, the state of Montana has actually banned it. No one at a, at a federal level. Exactly, right. exactly. So kudos to Montana. Let's see right? how that actually happens. Um, but at, at the same time, I would argue the, the national security implications of using this platform are so grave. It is controlled by China. Parent company of TikTok is ByteDance. It is headquartered in Beijing. It is subject to the laws and the policies of the People's Republic of China, which makes sure that any private company has to be invested in state intel in state work so any private company is ostensibly private it works for the chinese communist party if you have tiktok on your phone you have a chinese communist party spy app on your phone it is that important we have to get it off our phones period i I hear you here's part of my theory though this is there's more than 100 million people in this country that have this app that use it 18 to just say 35 year olds Mm -hmm. right are you going to tell them in an election year TikTok can no longer be on your phone. 
Like that is a is that have leadership? To. You have to. It, it, it is. It would be leadership. <laughs> leadership. But right. but why, like why haven't we gone that? Like I just I just don't see it because we haven't have an effective leaders. Listen, she's right. Everything she just said is absolutely provably correct. Right? You can look at the list of states that have banned it. Right? We haven't been able to ban government. at federal level. Government, government devices. State governments. That's yeah. exactly right. It's right. Like 40 out of 50 or something. Yeah, like here's, that. here's the list right here. Exactly. Federal there, government as well on government devices. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Um, th- what she said is absolutely correct. If you've got this stuff on your right. phone, you should take right. it off. And I recognize the fact that it's, it's not popular. Right. But sometimes that's what leaders are supposed to do, is try to convince people that, look, here's why we're doing it. You have to make a case for why we're, why we're doing it. have to convince people. You have to start a messaging campaign. Everything that we all have done and everything in, 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 in politics, right? Yeah, but but, make, but it's the right thing to do. Doesn't that beg the question as to why the U.S. allowed TikTok as an application to be here in the first place? I, I, or did they not know that yeah. it was a mechanism for spying from the Chinese government? Classic example of, of the private sector moving faster than the government that regulates it. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes we overregulate because of that. Sometimes we underregulate because of that. But no, it's, 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 it's similar issues we have right now with AI. AI is moving so much quicker than our ability to sort of process it at the government level. Same thing happened. By the way, just to show you how, how much quicker TikTok is ahead of just about everyone on this last night, there was this exchange. What are you going to do about TikTok? You saw Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy going back and forth. That. The moderators tease what's coming up next at the debate. At the debate, and what's the first commercial coming afterwards? TikTok. TikTok <laughs> was the first. So it was like they were all there bashing TikTok. We'll be back after the commercial break to TikTok. It was like a Saturday Night Live skit, Michael. Yeah, and I, I have to say I think that that actually brought up a more interesting point in that debate. Yeah. You saw a real frustration from Nikki Haley as she was being lectured by Vivek. Uh, you know, she has been a senator, she's been governor, she's been yeah. UN ambassador, and to have Vivek lecture her about uh, something she is such an expert in, I think you saw a lot of women have that frustrated right. experience. She felt dumber. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. All right, a quick dumber. programming note. Tonight, News Nation's Brian Enton will guest host Elizabeth Vargas Reports. He'll have the latest on the Amy Harwick murder trial with Law and Crime Network's Jesse Weber. The fate of Gareth Gareth Pursehouse could be determined at any moment as jury deliberations are now underway. He was accused of murdering Harwick, a popular therapist, back in 2020. That is coming up at 6 o'clock Eastern right here on News Nation. But before then, from spending to Ukraine, the Senate can't agree on much these days, but they can come together on one issue this week, how to dress. There's another change for men's attire in the upper chamber, how it all got changed in just a couple weeks' time. That's before we go. Truck drivers are the unseen heroes that keep our country running. Morning in America is dedicating a full week to the men and women behind the wheel. All next week, 6-5 Central on Morning in America. A few minutes. All right, so before we say goodbye, <laughs> the things we talk about during the commercial break. We got a film. We were, talking about, we were talking about Trump last night. Uh, here's another headline that caught our eye. The Senate now has an official dress code. It requires all male senators, including <laughs> Senator John Fetterman, to wear a coat, tie, and slacks on the floor. It comes after, you know, the whole dust-up over the last couple weeks. Uh, Senator Chuck Schumer tried to change the rules for Fetterman. That didn't go over too well. Fetterman caught it from both sides. And then there was uh, this meme that Fetterman sent out after a resolution was passed, changing the whole thing, the Kevin James stuff. He's trying to laugh it off, but, man, this didn't go over too well for Fetterman. Didn't go over too well for Chuck Schumer. Not at all. And I have to steal a line from...